literally as day breaks, this deer we've been after, just a monster of a buck, never seen him in person. He walks to the base of my tree, smells like hand warmer that I had just dropped on the ground or something because I was literally just down there. Spooks around, walks over, I put the camera in place, and he turns, makes another step, and right as soon as he steps out of frame, I shoot him. You're listening to the Ozark Podcast, presented by Inland. We sit down with men and women from the Ozarks that have a passion for the outdoors. Our aim is to listen, learn, and pass along their knowledge and experiences to help you become a better outdoorsman. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Kyle V. All right, welcome back to the Ozark Podcast. You've got Kyle Veet on the mic as always, and I am joined by three of the finest men this side of the Mississippi, Kyle Plunkett, Josh Launch, and Adam Treese. How are you guys doing? Good. Great. Uh, somewhere in between the two of us. <laughs> got to use a different <laughs> word than what they said. Yeah, good to be back. Yeah. Real good to be back. Um, if you guys have been listening and following along, you've heard from each one of us at some point um, over the last year. And we wanted to bring everybody back together, um, the four hosts, because it's the start of a new year and we've got some some guests on the schedule that we're excited to uh, talk to and share with you guys. Um, we've also got some really exciting um, new intro music, which it's a small <laughs> thing, but it's it's a friend of ours, um, J.D. Clayton. He's, he's a local um, musician um, who I actually knew way back in the day when I was growing up. Um, and our, our producer Daniel worked with him in Nashville for a little bit and he's got some awesome music and he's killing it. Um, he's on tour right now. So he's got the, the intro music and then we'll let some of his music play out at the end of each episode. Um, so exciting stuff ahead for the Ozark podcast. We're back. And, uh, today, since we've got Adam and since we've got Josh with us, um, they are coming off of a pretty cool opportunity that they got to do over the fall and over hunting season. And, uh, and so we wanted to just kind of sit down with them, recap, like what, what they just went through, what they did. Um, big stuff. You guys, you guys had a pretty good year, I'd say. Yeah. Probably our uh, best year. If you've ever seen Adam's picture with his deer, he, we had a great year. Yeah. A mammoth, I would say. Yeah. But I mean, just the fact that we both tagged out the same year, we, we haven't had that in the past, what? Uh, like, since we've been hunting together seriously, five years probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, either one of us would, would get a buck or, or the other. So both Josh and I filled our Kansas buck tags this year. Got them both on film, sort of. Um, sort of. And yeah, it was an awesome year. Yeah. And, and that, was through, um, that was through something that if you guys follow us or, or have kind of been following us personally on Instagram, we've posted some stuff, we've, we've reshared, but you guys got a pretty cool opportunity with uh, Midwest Whitetail. Yeah. And that's kind of that's what was spurring on. You guys hunted really hard this year. You were filming all your hunts. Yeah. How did you guys kind of get hooked up with them? Um, yeah, so last year is probably this time, late, like late winter, early spring. Midwest Whitetail is a show that's been around for a long time. Um, both like YouTube and TV show. It used to be like mainly a TV show back in the day whenever like the DVDs and, you know, Outdoor Channel and people actually would watch TV shows. Yeah. Now it's like semi-live YouTube series. Anyways, so I've followed them for a long time um, and always just loved watching them, loved watching all the guys. And they started posting about an internship opportunity that was basically for like, guys who um, want to do 
wanted to be like a cameraman or get into the industry, whatnot. They started posting that last year this time. Um, so that would require you to move to Iowa and basically like follow them around mm. and just like film them. And I don't know, just that would be your full-time job for that season. Yeah. So that's, I, a, that's a big move. Yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't be on the no. Ozark podcast anymore. <laughs> yeah. That was my first concern. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, essentially I just reached out to them and was like, Hey, I'm not interested in the internship, but Josh and I, like we hunt, we film, um, I know you guys have some sort of staff, like regional staff channels or whatever. Um, what would what would that look like if we tried to get involved? And they sent back and wanted us to send them some video and footage. So long story short, we ended up hopping on some meetings with them. Went up to Iowa this summer, met all the guys, and ended up being a fit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. And what what was the, the meetup like? What were you guys kind of doing up there? So each year we go up there and stay um, at a resort, basically, where we have meetings. All the sponsors come and talk about their products that are new for the year. Um, they share old products, what the technology changes, basically present to you. We yeah. have access to, I forget how many sponsors, but each one of them want to show what they changed this year. Um, yeah, they want to show off the, the goodies and all the right. stuff they've been working on. Yeah, exactly. essentially where they're, you know, spokesperson or someone who is using their products and brands and really want to know what the technology is like. So that's a main portion of it. But basically we just hung out with everyone on the team. We had people from Iowa, New York, Oregon, Michigan, Arkansas, everywhere across the country really, and really just to get the whole team together. There's nothing like being with people that like doing what you like to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and so it was a lot it, of camaraderie. Yeah, it was a lot bigger than I thought. Like I thought that it was just like this, these main guys in Iowa and, you know, some in Missouri – um, that were on the main channel, but it's a whole like regional pro staff. I think there's a total of, I don't know, 50 to 100, I don't know, spread out across states. And there's, I don't remember the exact regions, but we're, we're part of what's called the Great Plains Show. Yeah. So that's our region. So we hunt primarily in Kansas. So it's comprised of Kansas, Missouri, um, Nebraska, Wyoming. I think there's a guy from Wyoming. But... Anyways, so that's like our main show that gets published and produced an episode each week to YouTube. Um, so there's a couple other like staff groups throughout the states. Yeah. So we all basically got together and met up in Iowa for a week or weekend. Cool. So, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you got some some goodies to wear and, and put on while you're hunting and yeah. Did absolutely. it did it feel you were like ah oh, man I made it like I'm a I'm a hunting <laughs> influencer now? No, I mean. I'm not much of an influencer. Josh might be a little more than I am. Yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't exactly say that. But no, it was really cool. Most of the time I go out to Cabela's Bass Pro, order it online or whatever, and you buy all your camo for full price or whatever it is. And these sponsors give us a good discount, but also we have great products. And so wearing them out, using the gear that they give us or um, we buy from them is yeah, it does feel real because yeah. you're using all the gear that you were watching people use Seriously. just weeks before you got to be part of the show. So, yeah, yeah it felt like a little bit of celebrity status. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> but that's one thing I will say about Midwest Whitetail. Like, they could have any sponsorship deal that they, they want, really, but they really just want to, like, have products that they believe in yeah. and not just have to basically advertise because they're giving you the product. They want to promote um, the best. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So That's a big deal. I really don't like that whenever TV shows just throw stuff down your throat. And that's not what Midwest Whitetail is about. So that is a perk to the show. But essentially, Josh and I 
are passionate about bow hunting and we film. We hadn't done a great job about it like in the years prior, but we've been getting better. So this year we like dedicated to having the good equipment every time we got in the stand being as if it would be a, you know, professionally produced TV show. Yeah. And so. like today's the day you got to act like every day is the day that, exactly. that the monster's walking in. Yep. Yeah. Every single hunt. And that gets tiring, <laughs> I oh, will say. Dude, dude we hunted we hunted so hard. I believe it. Yeah. How many how many hours in the stand do you guys think you put up? Over 80, for sure. I did the math and there was one week we hunted at least I believe like 48 or 47 hours just cuz we were up there all week hunting in Kansas. It was the first week in November. Yeah, I mean, we were up there for like 5 days straight, morning, evening, you know, take a 2-hour break in between. Mhm. And it was hot. Yeah. So we're up there in t-shirts, sweating, setting up stands every single time we go hunt a new spot, trying to catch up with a deer that's obviously not on its feet because it's 70 degrees. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we put in a lot of hours. Yeah. A lot of miles on the boots. That's awesome. I kind of want to hear like thinking about where your your perspective or your mindset was like going into the season, you're like, okay, I know that I'm going to have a chance to film this. I'm going to have a chance for this to be produced, put on YouTube. Like, I got to make this hunting season count. What was your mindset going into the season? Like, how were you going to just, I don't know, like double down on this hunting season? Mm-hmm. And what what were what was kind of like your tactics? What were you thinking about going into it? The main thing for me is I, I love running the camera. Um, I love videoing. I think I have an eye for it. I might be naive to say that, but I just love it. And so my main focus was if I'm going to do this, I need to be like dedicated to actually filming. Adam mentioned we've hunted for years and years in the past. And all the times we'd take the cameras, we'd leave them in the truck sometimes. We would keep them in the backpack. Adam shot his buck. Was it last year or two years ago? Two years ago, yeah. At eight steps, and I didn't have the camera out. It was in the backpack, five mm. feet, or not five feet, like five inches from yeah. me. Yeah, that and hurts. so yeah, it definitely does. Because you really have a weight on your shoulders now, right? Yeah, like it is a it's a business. Yeah, that is hopeful that you will produce to them good content. And really, the goal for me going into the year, yes, it, like it was a goal to be on Midwest Whitetail, but it was to make what's called Chasing November. And that's like the actual TV show that fully produced at the end of the year. All the best hunts and all the best storylines um, are comprised into a single season that's produced. It's like, I don't know, 15 episodes probably mm-hmm. for the whole show. And so if you, you know, for us, that looked like professionally recording, videoing every hunt and telling our story properly. Yeah. Um, and then hopefully shooting a big deer, yeah. right? So that was like my goal going into the year. I'd, I'd imagine yours too, but mm. hand in hand that goes with just professionally like quality content every yeah. hunt. Yeah. And and I feel like that's like, that's probably one of the things a lot of people don't think about is like, you know, you just think about, oh, I'm going to film the deer walking in no. and then shooting it. But it's like, it's all the storytelling and it's all the, the yeah. B-roll, B-roll and all the, the clips. The, yeah. Yeah. So did you make it on Chasing November? I don't know yet. Um, when do we find out? I don't September know. September next year? September, October? It'll, it'll oh, get, wow. like, produced. the previous seasons. Yeah, so, like, whenever all, you know, the TV shows come out, and, like, they all usually come out right around the same time, like, right when everyone's getting excited for deer season. Smart. So it's, like, August, September, probably. Um, but, yeah, it's it was so much more work than I think we, we realized, yeah. like, to commit to filming and hunting 
Um, And then on top of that, we're hunting properties that we don't have really sets hung. Like it's private property, but pretty public at the same time. (laughs) We, We battled with trespassers, poachers like all year long and we have on these properties. So, you know, every single hunt we were doing hanging hunts for two sets with camera gear, with bows, with everything. So it got pretty tiring. Yeah. And and that's like not even the editing, right? Like y'all weren't even doing... We didn't have to do any of the, the editing. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's like still as much as you could probably possibly stand to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it does get tiring a little bit, but at the same time, your story is what it's all about. Adam's goal was I want to tell the story good. I want to have quality footage. I want to kill a big deer. Yeah. Adam checked all three of those things off. Um, and so whenever you're focused on that, whenever you handle things like a professional, there are businesses giving us tremendous discounts on their products. There's people from Midwest Whitetail that are allowing us to be on the show. There's another person in the tree stand counting on you. And so the easiest way to get over the fact that, yeah, I'm tired or it might be a little more work than yeah. it was the season before is like, no, I have someone right here who has goals of killing a big deer, telling a good story and having good content. So whenever you think about that, it makes it makes it really easy. Yeah, absolutely. So talk to me then, like, what happened? I mean, tell the story. We we know, I know what happened. Um, if people have seen pictures, they, they know what happened. But talk to me, how did the season go? How did it start? Walk me through. You want to go or you want me to? I'll tell a short story, then I'll let Adam take it. Beginning of the season... I was holding out for a big buck. I shot a good buck last year. It was a good 10-point up in Kansas. Yeah, your Self, biggest. Self-filmed it. Yeah, I'm one of my biggest deer. Um, and it was great. And so after that, I was like, all right, I'm not going to shoot another deer exactly like that. I'm going to shoot a different one. A little bit bigger. I'm going to have some patience. If I've learned one thing from hunting with Adam, it's that if you let the smaller deer go, and by smaller, I mean like big deer to me. Yeah. Well, these are a bigger one's going to come out eventually. <laughs> Big well, old Kansas deer up there. And side note to that, I'm not all about like inches, and I think you know that too. Right. I'm a lot like about maturity of a deer rather than, you know, big antler wise. Like that three year old, I think we passed is a pretty dang good deer. Yeah. We had him at like 20 yards, got great footage of him, but anyways, big old wide 10 point. Hopefully he'll, he'll make it through the year. I don't think Adam even picked up his bow. Whenever that thing walked by, I'd have been like shaking, yeah, watching this thing. That's wild. Um, I would have shot that thing in a heartbeat, or <laughs> tried, and then probably 10 yards over. <laughs> I would have shot its baby brother. <laughs> <laughs> so season started off actually here in Arkansas. Adam got his bow, and I don't even think I had mine in yet. And we went on a quick hunt in the city um, on a permission farm that I have, and Adam shot a doe. We got on the show for the first time, then it was, it was really cool. Um, turned out to be a great video. It was yeah. great lighting right after a storm, and... Turned out great. You can find that on his Instagram or whatever. But hunted there. Then we started hunting Kansas. And I'll let Adam get into this. But usually we'd hunt this permission farm that we have. And we've got access to hundreds, if not thousands of acres that this farmer lets us hunt. But he also lets his neighbors hunt and his cousins hunt. And pretty much anyone who walks he out He doesn't there. not let anybody hunt. Yeah, right. That way. You just got to ask. And right. it's thousands of acres, but it's 75% ag fields. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is good for food, but... There's not like that much huntable acreage. There's only so sense. much cover to right. climb up in a tree. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, with that being said, that's where I killed my buck last year. We went there this year, and between the drought, this farmer has never seen a drought this bad in his life, and he's been farming for well over 40, yeah. 50 years. 
Um, between that and then EHD, which EHD is a disease that deer can get where basically, I don't know the science of it, but they go crazy and then they die. Mm. Between the two of those, the number of bucks that we had on our property were like depleted by 90%. Used to, we'd have five to 12 shooters on all the different farms. In the summertime, especially. Right. And then they'd start to kind of go off, but this year is opposite. Like we didn't have a shooter until like we had one. We had... Uh, on camera, at least, you know, but floppy uni. Yeah, and floppy. We had two or yeah, two or three shooters on thousands of acres yeah. compared right. to two or three shooters on one little section of timber that we used to hunt. Gotcha. Um, so yep. that, that made it pretty tough. And then between that and then I'll let Adam speak on his farm. Um, uh, yeah, we long story short, um, earlier this year in the spring, we lost like the family property that I hunted all growing up, learned how to hunt basically. Um, it got sold in the spring, summertime. So a family friend, I guess, that I had a connection through that other property, he um, was gracious enough to let us come and hunt another property he has that really I didn't think anything about. It was like a little 30-acre piece, basically a pond in a corner of an ag field. Didn't think anything of it. Threw a camera up, you know, not even thinking and this place was littered. Awesome. Probably like some of the best deer neighborhood that you could find up in Southeast Kansas. So that gave us a little bit of momentum going into the year. Um, just something to be excited about having a different spot to go. Um, I don't know, more deer to hunt really. Um, so like Josh said, EHD hit us really hard. Deer were just dropping everywhere. Couldn't find anything. And we hunted really hard. Um, I think I took off like beginning of last year in advance, I blocked off like two weeks or no, probably like five or seven work days. The first of November turned out to be like the worst <laughs> weather that you could have for November, which I mean, granted, it's still November. You still want to be out there, but yeah. it was tough. Not I think ideal. we got skunked like three days in a row, Yeah, oh, which man. like We're, not seeing a deer. It Which, especially bad. for where you guys hunt, like, that's pretty rare. Like, you guys are used to seeing yeah. eight to ten deer yeah. in a sit. Mm -hmm. Probably. Yeah. And then that's, like, tough because the editors and producers are like, these guys, like, <laughs> we're sitting in footage, but we're telling them, we're like, hey, we don't really, this isn't normal, yeah. we're, <laughs> but we're not seeing anything. Like, who are these rookies we let on the crew? Yeah. Um. So that got really tiring really quick, you know, going through the effort of making quality content. Um. And just not have anything to show for it. Mm -hmm. It's hard to have an interview in the tree stand whenever you haven't seen a deer for 72 hours. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, yep, hoping tonight can be the night. Yeah, you're like, you know, still haven't seen a deer. But right, like if you're wanting to like, like film and produce a show, you got to treat it like at any second a big deer is going to walk out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, that's the reality of, of trying to film and, and produce content as someone who hunts and fishes. Like you're not guaranteed right. to mm -hmm. get anything. Yeah, felt like a podcast in the tree stand a lot of the days. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> just talking. Yeah. Um. So fast forward through November, the first week in November, we basically didn't see any bucks. Um. Next weekend, Adam and I go back up to Kansas, and we hunt. We're going after this buck that Adam Adam ended up shooting this year. I claimed him as my deer, and I was going to shoot him, and I was going to hold off no matter what. And the first time I had a buck that was decent in front of me, I drew back and shot him. Oh, yeah. I don't we, know if, 
Which, granted, that hunt was epic. Like, that was the best hunt of the year. Yeah, we saw, like, four or five shooters, I think, that night. Yeah, I watched a buck almost. I don't know if we ever watched him breed the doe. Um, Had bucks coming in, bristling up on the decoy. Just perfect, like, Kansas rut hunt all day. It It was wild. So, that morning, Adam and I were hunting on the permission farm that anyone and everyone can basically hunt. And I think we didn't see anything. And we were holding off for that buck, but we realized we couldn't catch up to him. He was always like a step ahead, and it was just going to be luck if we could kill him. Mm -hmm. And we decided to get down. Adam had dedicated, he took off work that day, and he was filming me. So this man took off a vacation day to come (laughs) film me in a tree stand. What a saint. Right? (laughs) I mean, I was having fun doing it, right? Yeah. It's not like I was just taking off work. True. Part of it's being a team, being out there together, right? Mm, Exactly. Um, Which we'll get into that and how I failed. Um, (laughs) But we're hunting that spot that morning, and I think we were just having a bunch of piss-poor hunts like we had been. And he looked at me, and I was like, dude, I don't want to hunt here. I was like, I want to go somewhere else. And um, long story short, we went over to another farm and sat down. And the second we got set up in the tree stand, Adam's like, look in the field. Look, look, there he is. And there was a buck that we called the freak. He had flyers everywhere. He was just standing in the middle of the field as we're getting set up. Do y'all name every every one of your bucks? No. No. That deer, just the big that deer we didn't really name. We just kept saying that freak, you know, that freaky that freak, buck or that the freak, freak buck. Because like, he literally is like this wide. He just kind of had points, like, kind of going, yeah, going just off. Yeah, kind of wacky everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he was standing in the middle of the field tending a doe. There was a doe bedded down in some cattails, and he was just watching over her. Buck came by, and he bristled up and pushed it off, ran it off, went right back to the same spot. It'd be like a bass on a bed, Yeah. Um, essentially. Yeah, nothing we could do to get him off of there. We rattled multiple times, grunted. He'd look up. He was three or 400 yards away, maybe. Yeah, probably. Um, that's a long would put way. his head up and then put it right back down. And obviously, it's like having your wife naked in the bed and somebody <laughs> saying, "Hey, doorbell's ringing." It's like, "Nah, you can you can go on." Yeah, <laughs> I'm not getting up. Right. Um, so that night we're sitting there and we're calling our brains off at this deer, basically in the middle of the field, and nothing happens. Well, we look and turn around and we're sitting on basically this finger of timber that comes and separates two fields. We look behind us, away from that buck, and there's a deer like. 30 yards from us. The one I ended up shooting was coming into the decoy. And we looked down. And I was Probably like, all the calling. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I looked down and Adam's like, dude, buck, 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 buck. We looked down and he was probably 10 yards from us, smelled the trail. There was a stick that I kicked all my mud off on right at the base of our tree about 10 yards away. Yeah. And it smelled it and immediately boogered and ran off. Mm. Yeah. But that was really good footage. He was bristling yeah. up because the decoy's in front of us on the other side of the tree line. And he saw that and... Came up. Sweet. Yeah, it was I'll never forget that. that so he cool. runs off about fifty yards, goes into the woods, and um I don't know where he ended up going after he that. ran everywhere. Yeah. That like he went across that bean field, across the marsh, back over there, checked out the freak bucks doe that got pushed off, then wound up all the way back by us. So we long story short, we called this buck <laughs> in, I think, three times. One time was that first time whenever he smelled us. Then he was down the tree line on the left side of the marsh, oh, and he yeah. winded us because our wind was blowing down basically this little finger of trees that we were sitting on. Dude was rutting. And he was so dumb. Yeah, about 75 yards away, he pokes his head up, and I could tell he smelled me and just immediately ran off. He was 650 yards away in the corner getting pushed off by that buck. 
Whoa. And, yeah, whoa. Ends up coming back somehow. It's getting dark. Sun setting, and it's, I think it was raining. It was starting to snow. Yeah, it was overcast. I don't, I don't know. It was dark. Yeah, it was starting to snow. I was sick. Yes. Oh, that's what I yeah. messed up. In between the two hunts, we stopped at Casey's. I grabbed Adam some pepperoni pizza. I got myself like a water and some Sour Patch Kids mm. or something. A I get in the truck, right? Adam goes, <laughs> that's all we ate for like two weeks. <laughs> for like all of hunting season. <laughs> I mean, there's a Casey's literally right there by everywhere we hunt, and that's it. And it's a subway. Pizza yep. and candy. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I look at Adam and he's like, dude, I'm not doing too good. And he looks sick. Yeah. You know when someone looks sick and you're like, I can't argue with this, you're you're sick. Right, yeah. So he's like, no, let's go get in the stand. We carry all our stuff in, decoy, two bows, tree stand, oh, yeah, my platform, climbing sticks, camera arm, three cameras, Gosh. like everything. That's a lot of stuff. Dude, I've got a video of myself walking in and it was in 700, 800-yard walk-in. Oof. And yeah. dude... We were like sweating, getting there, and just dead. Adam had to stop halfway, and he's like, <gasps> "Yeah, sick, yeah, yeah, seriously." So, and then you're cold because you got the the sweat, right? Like yeah. accumulating on you. Well, fortunately, we saw a bunch of deer, and it kept us busy. There you go. Um, so, weren't too cold then. It's getting dark at this point. Coyotes came and cleared out the field. Nothing in there, and Adam looks and he's like, "Hey, there's a deer." And we look through the binoculars. We can tell it's a buck, but that's it. Can't really see how many points or anything. So I tell Adam to grunt at it, and he throws out a grunt. He looks up. Adam thinks back to y'all's podcast with Brad Harris saying, when that buck looks. I did. There you go. He was like, when that buck looks at you, throw one in his face. Yeah. Just grunt and let him know where you're at. Yeah. He does, and this thing comes in on a string, man. No Like, just starts trotting. Yeah. Straight I literally thought of Brad that night. And I've been wanting to try it, and I finally did that night. And, man, it worked. He, like You're telling me Brad knows what he's talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's weird, right? Yeah. I, you mean, can, I can hear Brad in my head going, if you stop a buck and he, you're grunting at him, and then you don't, you know, you cast a line, you don't reel him in, what are you yeah. doing? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, throw another cast. So, yeah, throw another cast, something like that. And so. obviously we read that deer good because he was, right, like, he right. was looking for something. Yeah. So I, I knew I could be aggressive with him. So... Pokes his head up, and then he starts trotting towards us. And I look at Adam, and I'm like, are you you filming you on him? So I grab my bow, and I'm like, let's see how this works out. I'm, I shot this deer in the same shoes I'm wearing right now, my Birkenstock. Lucky shoes. <laughs> right? Why were you in Birkenstocks? Yeah, what? I Why were you? I don't remember. I don't remember, but <laughs> come on. Happy. <laughs> what in the world? Hey, you shot him. I mean, right? So this thing comes in. It gets about 47 yards from us. And yeah, a poke. looks at the decoy, realizes, hey, this dude hasn't moved in like, Four and a half hours, something might be up. Um, so he starts walking yeah. off to the woods. He's like, I think I've been here before. <laughs> That's weird. Deja, Looks vu. Familiar. deja vu. That's a weird deal. So turns and starts walking to the woods. I arranged two things a piece of gravel and then a stick right where he walked in at that whole day. And it was like 40, I think I ranged like 42 yards and he was just beyond it. Put my pin on him, stopped him right as the edge of the woods. Um, Adam's got the camera right on him. Mm. Shoot, ducks right into the arrow, runs 25, 30 yards into the yeah, woods, falls over. Textbook. Starts sleeting, snowing. Adam's sick. We have to either drag this deer through 800 yards of mud or figure out how to get into the neighbor's property by taking <laughs> off a cable um, come along gate. The basically. neighbor gave us permission. Yes. 
So we drove to town. We'll go with we'll go with that. No, he actually no. They had dikes leading up to where we could drive to, right on the neighbor. Like it was right on the property line, basically where he died. Mm -hmm. Okay, real quick, I I want to ask what like forty seven yards. That's a long shot with the bow. What was going through your head? Like were you like he's not coming any closer or? Well, yeah. So usually you can tell what a buck's about to do whenever he stops. Whenever he stopped at forty something yards and he looked at the decoy and he kind of nodded his head and he's like. Yeah, Something ain't Bob. Right. Yeah, whenever head they bob. they kind of lower their head a little bit and raise it back up, they're looking to see if something's going to move. Okay, is what I've basically come to grips with. And so when he realized that thing didn't move or anything, he's like, "I'm out." And he immediately turned ninety degrees and started walking to the closest point of like safety, the woods. And whenever I noticed that, I was like, "It's it's now or never." So I just drew back and I asked Adam. I was like, "Are you on him? Are you on him?" He said, "Yeah." And right then, I just. I did not think he was going to shoot. I mean, I didn't. I thought it was fifty plus shot, which yeah. I mean, it was like forty five, forty seven, whatever you said it was. Um, but man, I'm glad he did. He drilled still a him. crazy shot. Trailed him. It's deceiving those Kansas deer compared to Arkansas deer. The does <laughs> are bigger than the Arkansas bucks. I believe it. And so whenever that buck was standing at forty seven yards, it looked like an Arkansas buck at thirty. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So that's, that's why we that suck much. at deer hunting. Yeah, we just need bigger targets. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it works. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't I don't really know. I don't think there was enough time for me to have things going on in my head because no. I had to make a split decision. I thought he was going to walk another 20, 30 yards to the decoy and I'd be able to make a decision like, hey, what deer is this? Do I want to shoot this deer? Is it old enough? Is it big enough? Is it... All the things you you think you're gonna think of whenever it comes down well, to it, it, and it's not enough time to get nervous or second guess yourself. Right, I mean, you're at some level. You're like, I'm drawn back. I'm dialed in. I can make this shot. Yeah, and like I can make it. Yeah. And that's that's what it comes down to. If you're comfortable, whenever you're drawn back, not before you draw back, not after you shoot. It's right whenever you're there. You're anchored. You've got your bow drawn back, and you're about to pull your release to shoot this deer. If you're not comfortable with the shot, don't take it mm -hmm. because it's gonna reflect in your shot. But right then, I didn't even know that it was 40-something yards. I had my, I've got a single pin that has two pins, so double single pin. Yeah. And double, it's got double. 20 and 40 yards. And I just put that 40 pin right on his lungs and felt comfortable with it. So I just shot it. I didn't think twice about it. Yeah. And he and you said he did jump the string like he dropped. He probably dropped two inches. Yeah, not much. Yeah. Oh, really? But he, he went right into the arrow. It mm -hmm. wasn't a problem. No, yeah. not at all. Got it. Had plenty of time to duck the arrow completely. Yeah. But no, it it died quick. Yeah. yeah. It was great. It was a long night. I think we got back at like midnight. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, Man, I interrupted you. You said you were you were going to have to figure out how to get it out of there. Oh, yeah. So we went to the nearest town about 10 miles away, got some ratchets um, or sockets, took the gate apart, drove back there, loaded the deer up. Drove back, fixed the gate, lost a socket that we were borrowing from somebody at a uh, gun shop. Went back, paid them for the tool and whatnot that we lost. And yeah. Got on with it. Very good. Very good. What a story. What a time, man. I Can we just take a second to recognize that? Round of applause. If you guys want to actually watch it, it's on YouTube. Yep. Uh, how, would, how would someone watch it? Go to my Instagram, and it's the only link in my Instagram. What's your Instagram? Nice. Joshua, J-O-S-H-U-A, launch. I'll let you figure out how to spell that. It's a, it's a tricky one. <laughs> There's a yeah, Z. You spelled T Joshua, but you didn't spell launch. <laughs> T is Z. L-A-N-T-Z-S-C-H. Got it. Very yep. good. A lot of consonants. 
Lots of consonants. One vowel. <laughs> and over to Mr. Mr. Adam, you also shot a deer this year. I did. You also had some some good hunts, I would say. Decent. Um, I mean, man, that was the only mature. Uh, no, I did have that freak buck underneath me one. And I think maybe we talked about it on a podcast. I can't remember. Maybe. Whenever I hunted in the saddle, self-filming that one. Oh, yeah. Like the first. When we did the episode with Devin, Devin. on saddle hunting. Yep. And you had mentioned it. That was like beginning of. Yeah, that was like beginning season. of the year. I didn't really know. Like I wouldn't expect it much. Yeah. But anyways, other than that, I mm, probably didn't see a deer over four, four and a half until I shot my deer. Yeah. So, um, long story short, we hung this set. It was one of the only sets we have hung on the property. Um, it's that original permission piece that we have that we like say is basically public because so many people knew about this deer. Yeah. Um, hunt this property basically. That's what I was calling you about earlier this week. Remember I called you? Mm-hmm. Some dude, uh, this guy messaged me on Instagram that is a farmer right around there. He's like, dude, I saw that deer. I, I was hunting that deer. No way. Yeah. <laughs> he found his, he has his sheds from last year. No way. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, I'll, we can talk about that later. But anyways, so we hung this set in the off season this summer because we knew it's a really good spot for the rut. Um, this buck traveled this exact path last year um, and really any like mature bucks looking for does we're traveling this path, so we cleared it all out, took a chainsaw. Um, By chainsaw, I mean my biceps and Adam's Oh, we didn't saw. have a chainsaw, we did, did we? We did it with hands and no. cut down trees. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Like like a two-person two like, saw? No. Or? Like a no. one. one. Yeah. You're kidding. No, it seriously. Was These can't be big trees, though. I mean, basketball size. Wow. There's a couple of them. You can see them in the video. Um Y'all should just call me. You can borrow my chainsaw. <laughs> and we have one, too. That's the thing. We didn't know that we were going to be doing that that day. We knew where we wanted to hang the set. Just wanted to put in some hard manual labor. Yeah. Absolutely. You can work for the deer. Good yeah. for the soul. Makes it taste better. <laughs> it does taste good, by the way. Um, so kind of going back to what I was saying, like every minute that you get in the stand, you have to be ready. Yeah. So this one morning, um, Josh couldn't actually hunt with me this morning. It was... Technically, I think the second day that I self-filmed all year because the first was that saddle hunt, mm-hmm. like an early season. But since we were like actually going at it, first time self-filming. So I got in the stand extra early, blew out deer on my way, walking to the stand. Um, so didn't really think much of it. Got up in the stand, got all the cameras set up. Um, you know, really took my time, made sure that if something was going to happen, I was going to be able to film it. But self-filming is, like, really hard. I think you said at one time, you're never good at both, like, filming and hunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they kind of, one distracts from the other yep. in some ways. Yeah, especially shooting and filming because you're worried about both, right? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, it's easier to be worried about filming um, than shooting. You know, that's hard to say and hard to understand, but naturally, if you're thinking about anything else while shooting, you're going to be not as good. Yeah. Right? Yep. So, literally, as day breaks, this deer we've been after, just a monster of a buck. Never seen him in person. I think Josh had last year. Mm-mm. You didn't? Nope. Oh. Well, anyways, he walks to the base of my tree, um, smells like hand warmer, 
that I had just dropped on the ground or something because I was literally just down there. Spooks around, walks over. I put the camera in place, and he turns, makes another step, and right as soon as he steps out of frame, I shoot him. So oh, man. And on top of that, the GoPro, like my second angle, where would have had everything going on we've had problems with all year, and the battery, like, gave out or something. It turned off, like, right whenever the deer got underneath me. Man, that's tough. So, I mean, long story short, made a good shot on him. He was... Great shot. Really big deer. Really big deer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, he was a stud. And, you- and, and not to be, like, yeah, you didn't get it on film exactly how you wanted it to, but, like... Don't anyone listening, don't let that overshadow the fact that this was amazing. Like this this was an awesome deer and like the moment is not tarnished at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I tried not to let it yeah. obviously the moment like I was a little upset, but not really, because I mean the deer is huge. Yeah. <laughs> but looking back on it, man, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough whenever you spend days or hours or in this case like months. Yeah. Going after a deer, trying to get it to be perfect, thinking about all the scenarios that could happen. Yeah. Thinking about, okay, where's this deer going to come in at? How am I going to shoot? What's my reaction going to be after I shoot the deer? To have it not work out. I was sitting in the stand when Adam shot one and I didn't film it. And I know what that feeling was like whenever it was my responsibility. It sucks. But at least he had the reward of having a 170-inch buck at the end of his blood trail mm. to come yeah. pick what, up at the end. What did it score? Um, it, I was really praying that he was going to be a booner, but he wasn't because a boon, a boon and Crockett, right? Is net 170 and he netted, what did I say? Like 164, 166, but he grossed 177. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I think it counts. I mean, I mean, <laughs> self-proclaimed. Yeah. I'm not going to enter him anything. Um, but he was just a beautiful symmetrical deer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's your biggest, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Biggest I've seen in person. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And going back to the part where Adam said that he was self-filming, the day before I went and hunted at that piece that Adam shot the doe at at the beginning of the season in the city. And I drew back and I shot at a good buck, four-year-old buck, and I hit the fence and missed. About 20 minutes later, I shot another buck, and he, I ended up not finding him, have him on trail camera, so he's still alive. But I was going out there that morning to track him because Mm -hmm. it got dark. So that was the reason why I couldn't go film him was because I was dealing with a deer in the city whenever he was going to deal with a big old backcountry buck. I mean, but that's just always how it works, right? Yeah, it's like... (laughs) Always. It it always happens when you're not expecting it or something goes wrong and it's like, of course. Or, you know, the funny thing that literally always happens, anytime you're squirrel squirrel hunting, you see a lot of deer. Anytime (laughs) you're deer hunting, you see a lot of squirrel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, who knows? Having two people in the stand could have could have messed up the hunt. Right. I mean, Absolutely. Oh yeah, I think about that all the time. Has all the factors. Like, I think about Josh taking forever oh, to pack up his my stuff. Gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, <laughs> this guy is so prepared, but it takes so long <laughs> to get from the truck to the tree. Because I think about it all the time. Like, I was I walked to my stand. You know, forty five minutes and an hour before shooting light, I was getting up to my stand and I blew deer off from right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so like if I came, you know, 10 minutes later, who knows if that buck was there and then I blew him off. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So a Uh, lot of what ifs. I will say the two best hunts Adam had this year, excluding the time I shot my buck (laughs) was without me 
when he was self-filming. Wow, that's true. And <laughs> really? <laughs> I mean, so that true. freak buck and all the other ones that were next to it, and then the one you killed. I mean, God had me away for a reason. He was like, man. get this scrub out of here. Oh, man. What do you think about that, Adam? Are you going to hunt different next year? <laughs> well, you just put that in my mind. No, no. I mean, Josh was awesome this year, and um, he shot two deer in the last two years. I've only shot one. Yeah. So, bucks. It's the first. Yeah, dude. That's yeah, awesome. He has one up on me. Anytime you can you can take a buck with a bow is, is a good time. Right, no matter the size. Yeah. I mean, there's times where I'll see a spike and my heart will start pounding. Oh, yeah. You know, it's once you start seeing a bunch of slick heads and then you see something with horns coming through, it doesn't matter how big. Yeah, absolutely. Feeling <laughs> like no other for sure. Yeah. Well, Adam, if Midwell, Midwest Whitetail fails with Josh this next year, there's always Solo Hunter. So... What's that? So if Midwest Whitetail fails with Josh this next year, there's always Solo Hunter. Solo Hunter. <laughs> Have you seen that? Uh-uh. I, think, I imagine it's the same. It's the same idea, but people send in their stats yeah, like self-filmed yeah. stuff. Yeah. That's no. I wouldn't self-film that. Is that? I mean, that's too much. That's why you know a lot of times we would take our bows in, both of our bows in, but most of the time we wouldn't. Like it would be one person dedicated to filming and mm-hmm. one de- dedicated to mm-hmm. hunting, and that was the best way to do it. Yeah. Um. But definitely, a, like, a game-changing experience filming versus just hunting like yeah. we've done in the past. But we we got it down. Um, we got our hanging hunt down to a science towards the end of the year. Um, and I think we talked about it on the podcast before, just, like, our setups and everything. Yeah. And every hunt, something got better for us. Mm. Like, we found out we needed this or we didn't need this. You learned something. Or didn't need the 10 other things yeah. in our backpack. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'd say, like, we got it down to where if we are walking into a random piece of woods with all of our gear, that's two to three cameras, big camera arms, sticks, stands, platforms. Um, bow. Bow. We could probably get up in a tree in 30 to 45 minutes. Yeah. If it was an easy tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Later in the season, jo- 30 minutes, beginning of the season, 45. Yeah. But Josh always a little bit longer. No, he's really quick at hanging. Oh. Hanging the set. <laughs> but it's making sure we have everything, you know, ready to go, which I love it about him because we, we don't really forget much. Yeah, but that's true. If you open up his backpack, it's like... <laughs> Pop-tarts, range finders, <laughs> decoys, scents. Oh. Yeah. And never can find what you need, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> never when you need it. It's like yeah. a magician's hat when he takes it off. <laughs> yeah. You just got to reach around and feel just around. Just keep reaching down further and further. But Josh climbs a tree quicker than anybody I know. Like, he was the guy who'd get up first, hang the sticks. He'd get up, set his saddle up, and then I would just start to hand stuff up to him. Yeah. It's a it's a team effort. Yeah. Definitely. I would have to climb down if I was by myself, grab a stick, climb back up, climb back down, get another stick, but... Whenever you got a team, it's, hey, hand me the tree stand, hand me the stick, hand me the bows, hand me whatever. And I think that day that we shot, or that I shot my buck, we probably got up in the tree in 15 minutes. That was quick. It was quick. Yeah. But we were using the same tree we always Yeah, did. it was the same tree. There's nothing on it, this pecan tree. Yeah. So we got comfortable and, yeah. Just takes practice. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. If you had to, obviously, so... So we're talking. We're talking about we're hunting in Kansas here. You guys were hunting in Kansas a lot. I want to kind of leave leave the listeners with something. Thinking about like, sure, it's a different place, but maybe what's what's something that you feel like you guys do or did that is your kind of secret sauce, or you feel like a lot of people don't do that people maybe could apply 
um, no matter where they're hunting or hunting in the Ozarks or, or something like that. Do you have, what's your secret? Hmm. Let me think on that. I, I'd say this year we really narrowed in on what the best states to hunt are. Hmm. We've kind of known in the past, um, but didn't believe it, I'd say, for me at least, because I've had good experience with that first week of November. But based on, like, we went back and looked at trail cameras and, like, previous hunts um, from years past, and we think that probably November 14th, what was peak that we said, like 15th, 16th, mm-hmm. was probably the best. Yeah. And that's not too far off from here either. Yeah. So, And that's that's specific to your zone too. So if you're down sure. in Georgia compared to like New York compared to here in Texas, like those are four different rut dates. Yeah. Um, but we've been hunting the same county or same counties in southeast Kansas for yeah. years. And well, it's only 60 miles away from here too. Right. Yeah. So... I think it's very on par with the Ozarks um, mm-hmm. based on like whenever I'd be up there hunting, my dad would be sending me pictures like it's on, you know, bucks are crossing me in the road. Mm-hmm. And that's when, you know, you know, the rut is really on. So yeah, it's happening. Um, yeah. It's not that far away. I was surprised. We went up there, Adam, last mm-hmm. year just to kind of scout and look around. That might've been, was that in the summer or something? It was shed turkey. Season. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. We were, we were talking turkeys yeah. after that. Cool, yeah, I mean, cool place up there, but it's just not that far away. No, it's mm-hmm. not. It's like an hour. It's basically Missouri, really. Yeah. We'd so, leave up here in the morning. so different. It's so different. It's just amazing. the difference in mountains and Yeah, like mountains. once you get to Joplin, it all changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I'd say my secret sauce is have a good hunting partner Aww. that you can learn from. And I, I don't mean that. I don't mean that like that. But really, find find somebody, whether you know them or not. The one thing about hunters is we love camaraderie, right? Yeah. We love sitting around, shooting the bull, telling hunting stories like we're doing right now. Yeah. Find somebody in your life that bow hunts, that kills big deer, that rifle hunt, whatever it is, and ask them to teach you. Mm-hmm. Find podcasts that will teach you, YouTube videos if you don't have anybody near you, but... Have somebody that's willing to look through years of trail camera pictures and be like, hey, based on the dates, this is when we had the most bucks in daylight. There were 132 pictures of bucks in daylight on this day. Find people who are smart about it and then also in your immediate area. So me listening to somebody hunting down in Florida isn't going to help me hunting the Ozarks. Yeah. Find people who hunt the Ozarks and ask them how they hunt it because calling my buck in in Kansas – I would rarely ever do that to a deer here in the Ozarks. Um, and so find find a good hunting partner. Find somebody who's going to teach you. And then besides that, just the more time in the stand, the more likely you are to be successful. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, don't believe every everything you hear to your point. Like, there are people who talk about when to go, when not to go, what to do. Um, but more than anything, just go. Like, I mean... That November 14th, 15th, 16th is what most would consider like the lockdown period because it's like peak rut or peak breeding activity. Um, But I mean, that's your best chances at getting a deer. Mm -hmm. All it is is like an odds game, right? You'd rather go and sit all day of deer being active. You might not see them, but then go sit all day early season and you know like they're just bedded down all day. Um, hmm. so but we kept saying all it takes is one hot doe. Yep. Those days, all whenever it, it was seventy degrees and we hadn't seen anything, 
what we would remind ourselves with is like all it takes is one hot doe and a buck to come by. Yeah, I mean it's biological, really. Like the weather, the moon, nothing dictates a doe estrus cycle mm-hmm. other than biological like makeup. Yeah. Essentially. She's just in heat. Mm-hmm. Right. So all it took, like those hot days and which granite. Well, we had one good hot day whenever we were we had that good one come up and hit the scrape right behind us mm-hmm. by where you shot your deer. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like we didn't have much to show for that. But that's all we were saying. Like it just takes one. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But but something that you were kind of saying is you're saying like go go when you can. Like it matters to go. You have to be in the stand. It's like you can't catch fish if your line's not in the mm-hmm. water. You can't kill a deer if you're not in the stand. But you're also saying focus on the key dates. Like Zero in if you if you need to make time to go, go when you know the deer are going to be active. And like that sounds obvious. I know you know what I mean. But like I think about the way that I hunt, and I think about you know past seasons, and I'm just I'm just going on the weekend when I've got a free weekend when I could like actually plan and like clear up my schedule, take a week off of work, or or plan around these two weekends and, and key dates. And while it sounds obvious, it's like but. I don't do it. Like I don't always do it, and and probably a lot of people are are the same way. Yeah, and I mean even stuff around the house. If you've got chores around the home that need to get done, get those done early season in September, October, so that whenever November does get here, you're able to go. <laughs> That's out. if you're eating up with it like we are, right? Yeah, yeah. Your house but, is a wreck mid November. <laughs> oh yeah, my truck is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> so many Casey's pizza wrap or like oh, <laughs> cartridges man. in there. Um, one thing I will say, like, Kansas is a bait state. Like, you're allowed to bait, but that's something that I'm proud of us for is we stopped baiting um, or feeding or whatever, like, two to three years ago, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up always hunting over corn, corn piles, um, all that. But that's partially probably why we had so many bad hunts is because we're not just sitting over a bait pile waiting for a deer to come in. We definitely would have seen more deer that way. Um, but I also believe that if we had a feeder in that block of timber where I shot in picnic area, probably wouldn't have shot. You wouldn't have been able to draw back. No. Well, that and just like the amount of pressure that's around there, Mm. I think it'd be almost harder to kill. A deterrent towards them? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. That's just a note. Adam feels stronger about that than I do. I killed my buck last year over no bait. He just happened to walk by. I called him in. It was awesome. And it was really special. But after seven hunts where you're not really seeing deer, a couple bags of corn start to look pretty appetizing. <laughs> you're like, let's let's start throwing some of this out. But I mean it is it is totally different. You've got deer that happen to stumble by you. You see them and be in the right place at the right time. Well, not have to convince stu- them. A lot of it is scouting and preparation. Right. There you go. But at the same time, that buck could be 75 yards through the timber. Right. I could not see him or be looking for that two-second window that I could see him versus having a pile of corn that that deer from 75 yards is coming straight to, that it doesn't right. matter if I'm watching. Yeah. He's going to come into bow range. Right. 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 Um, but after killing over corn and not over corn, it's it's really special whenever you get to kill a deer, whenever it's just walking by, you convinced it that there was another buck wanting to fight. And yeah. It's... There's nothing like it. There yeah. definitely is a difference. Um, I, I, it, in the early days of like when I was first hunting, 
was always hunting over corn mm-hmm. and you know then i didn't know the difference right like i'm i'm just out there i i don't know anything about deer i'm just waiting to see something walk by and it's just, all of it was exciting but now as as you get older and as i've gotten older i'm just like the the days when i see deer and i'm not over corn it's like wow like no i i know i know something like i'm i'm in the right place you know i scouted this spot um, you just, it just gives you that, like, it's that challenge that gives you that extra little bit of like accomplishment and to then put it all together, the stars align, that thing doesn't walk 40 yards too far through the trees. It, it actually does come within bow range and you can shoot it, knock it down. Like that's a lot of stuff that has to come together. And when all that comes together and you have made decisions and choices to get to that point, it, it really like, it does make a difference. Mm-hmm. I'm not knocking on hunting over corn. Yeah, me neither. It is I mean, fun. You can learn a lot by just seeing a lot of deer coming in how they behave. But yeah, plenty it's different. Plenty of people do it, and I mean, I'm not against it at all. Um, but once I stop baiting and hunting over bait, it's so much better mm. or more rewarding. Yeah, yes. Yeah, and for you. speaking to that, our way of life is a little different than most. I can't eat the deer. Adam isn't eating deer every single meal. If I was trying to provide for my family, if I was trying to stock up the freezer, hell yeah, I'd have a bunch of corn out oh, there. Oh, yeah, sure. That'll be so easy to have. Add them up and shoot them. Right, but <laughs> my style is just for sport. I donate the meat. Adam eats the deer that he has, but he's not trying to eat deer right. every single meal. And so that that's where it might come into difference for a lot of people. Yeah. Too. On that note, Alpha Gal, real quick, like, like, give us like the short summary version of it for anyone who doesn't know. You just said you don't eat venison, right? Mm-hmm. Or you can't, right? Why? What is that? Um, and and how's it going with that? So Adam, or not Adam? Kyle just alluded to it a second ago. It's called Alpha Gal. I got bit by a tick, and I'm allergic to any mammalian byproduct. So that's anything from an animal that's a mammal. So I'm allergic to the meat, I'm allergic to the fat, I'm allergic to the skin, the hair even, and it causes reactions all over. Um, Up until about two months ago, I didn't think that there was any way to cure it or to make my um, reactions go away. Yeah, because you you Google it and it's like, no cure. Right. And You're doomed. (laughs) I went to the doctor, and this goes back to like my high school or college days, go to the doctor and I was like, hey, something's wrong. Like my stomach's messed up. And he tests my blood. He said, yeah, you're allergic to pork, beef, deer, and just starts naming off all the mammals. Asked him if there was anything I could do about it. He said, no. I said, all right, that settles it. And so I just, like, walked out of the office. Um, while we're hunting up in Kansas, we're staying with Adam's uncle. And I'm talking to him about my disease. And I asked him, or not asked him, but I just told him I can't have any of the food that he's offering me. Um, and he's like, I had a friend who had that. And whenever he said had, I was like, all right, I got to know. Like, how do you get yeah. rid of this? I thought there was no cure. Now you're saying there is. So he said there was someone in um, Lebanon, Missouri, which was about three and a half, four hours from here, uh, that does the acupuncture treatment that can make your symptoms and reactions go away. So got in contact with the doctor, went up there, um, woke up at four one morning, drove up there to make my appointment, and they stuck two needles in my ear in specific places. Some people might be more or less. And after a month, I got to take the needles out. Once I removed them, I could start reintroducing meat again. So the other day, I had my first piece of steak in six years. Sign me up, Daddy. That was awesome. (laughs) My mouth is just like salivating just (laughs) thinking about it right now. Um, But yeah, I got acupuncture and it's called the SAT treatment. 
uh, Solomon's Acupuncture Acute Therapy or something like that. And it's basically made it to where I can eat stuff again and at least start reintroducing it. Yeah, so you're kind of introducing it in small portions. It's smaller than you think. So think of a grain of rice. Yeah. The first bite I'm supposed to have of every single type of meat is half of a grain of rice. The next day I can have a full grain. Mm. Then after two weeks I can work up to a teaspoon. Then after a month and a half I can work up to a tablespoon and just like slowly increment it uh, or increase it until I can have it all. And then I got to do that with pork. Then I got to do that with deer. Then I got to do that with lamb. And at that point I've adjusted to eating raw the whole time. So I'm like, do I really want to try this or do I just want to be able to eat a steak every once in a while? Yeah. Um, so is your yeah, first bite of steak that makes you mouth water and salivate with excitement wasn't a half a half a grain of rice? <laughs> it, it was it was a little bigger the than the tiniest that. flake of steak. <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, that's it. No, it was really it was about the spot. The, I'm always one to push the limits. Um, it was about the size of a dice, like in a roll, like a game. I don't okay. know what else they're called. Dice. Yeah, sure. Yeah, about um, a teaspoon. Yeah. Go. I just jumped right to it. I was like, I can't wait two weeks to have a teaspoon. Are you kidding me? Yeah, you're like, I can't start with... You can't just have a flake or steak. No. So, tried that. It was great. Yeah. I only took the pinkest, rarest part from the middle. Um, great. That's awesome. Great. I, yeah. well, that's like that's so interesting Interesting to me, just the fact that like you, you're going through that process. And it, it does sound like it is kind of a process. Like You're not just like overnight going to be like healed. Uh, all of a sudden, but like, fortunately, but you just like, you're kind of like working it back in. And I just thought that was interesting. And if anyone out there has alpha gal, there is hope. Yes. If you have alpha gal, hit me up. I will help you get rid of it so that you can eat stuff again. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I think that's a good spot to end. Um, on, on a happy note, alpha gal is on the way out the door. Um, thank you guys, both Adam and Josh for, for joining us. And, um, yeah, we're looking forward to getting back to it. Getting back into the podcasting season. We got some fun stuff coming up. So, uh, so yeah, make sure you guys stay tuned. Thanks for listening. This podcast is presented by Inland Outdoors. Hosted by Kyle Veet. Produced by Daniel Matthews. And co-hosted by Kyle Plunkett, Adam Treese, and Josh Launch. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a five-star rating, a review, and sharing it with someone in the Ozarks. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.